Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. This episode features me as a guest on a podcast called This or Something Better, hosted by Reagan Nelson. I thought this would be an interesting conversation to share here because I went into details on a lot of the work I'm doing to address some of the various questions I tend to ask my guests on this podcast. We talk a bit about my backstory and how I got involved in the food space, but the bulk of the conversation is around Plantega, from how it got started to how it's going. I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you, Reagan, for being such a great host. Welcome to This or Something Better. Thanks, Nell, for joining me. Thank you, Reagan. Thanks for having me on. We were just talking about before we started recording that you are a podcasting expert. You have your own podcast, Eat for the Planet. So this is going to be a fun conversation. I always like talking to podcasters because you you've experienced talking. I don't know if I'm an expert in podcasting, but I definitely love talking to people. So I'm excited. Well, great. Well, we're here today to talk about um, not only Plantega, but also your journey in creating this amazing business um, and sort of solution to the challenges that exist within our existing food systems. But I would love it if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of the backstory to where you are today. I'll try to keep it brief, but um, I grew up in Bombay, India, and I started my professional career as an attorney. Uh, I used to practice uh, intellectual property law and uh, did that for two years and realized that that wasn't the path for me. uh, And I was interested in way more uh, a variety of things, especially encountering clients that were launching interesting new businesses. I found myself wanting to be them more than being their lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. And I look, took, a, took that as a cue that I should probably explore other opportunities. And so, and if you look back at my professional experience, I can really divide it into two halves. Uh, one uh, decade spent uh, largely working in the technology space, uh, technology and online media, digital media space. And the second half uh, is mostly in the food space. So the last 10 years of my uh, my life have been committed to working uh, on food issues and food systems issues in various capacities. It started off more using my background in media and technology, but has eventually morphed into me uh, doing a variety of things. So that, that would be the quickest way to sum up my 20 plus years of uh, work experience. Yeah. So what was your first uh, 
sort of entry point into working in food systems. What was that transition from technology to food like? Yeah, I mean, it kind of was, uh, I've said this uh, story a couple of times, and, and it's a strange one because it was, uh, I was on vacation in, and I say strange because uh, of what's to follow. I was on vacation in uh, South America, specifically in Argentina and Brazil, and I had heard so much from family members who traveled there before that the that the beef you got in South America, especially Argentina, was way superior to anything that you could buy uh, in America. And so me being a, uh, an avid meat eater myself was very curious to go and try it out to the extent where I was literally eating it three times a day while I was on vacation. Um, and so partly because of the high quality of the food I was eating there, I got really curious about how they produce it and you know, one thing led to another. And it was a conversation with one of the tour guides on, I think it was a hike we were on, where I started uh, asking questions about why it is that their uh, meat tasted so much more superior, was higher quality. And some of the information I got back was not exactly what I was uh, hoping to hear. Um, For example, um, what he revealed to me was it was not necessarily a good thing for South America, especially parts of the Amazon, as a lot of uh, the Amazon rainforest was being cleared to make room for either cattle grazing or to grow uh, soy for uh, uh, which would be exported for feed for livestock. And I realized I didn't know what cows actually even ate. And so that was a just sort of a it, it lit a spark in me. It got me kind of curious about how is it that I, I'm so passionate about consuming food, as most of us are, but don't know enough about how it, it makes its way to my plate. And so um, came back from that vacation, partly needed uh, to detox from uh, eating so much uh, red meat, but uh, started reading up and... Uh, so that was my jump and my leap into uh, wanting to learn more about the food system. And I, I'll say it this way, the more I learned about how the food I was eating made its way to my plate, the less of an appetite I had for it. Um, and it, it really touched upon everything from how much land resources and uh, fresh water and uh, how it was contributing to climate change. And it really opened my 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 eyes and my mind to a whole... Um, part of the way the world functions that I that touches our lives on a daily basis that I knew very little about. So that was the the jumping off point and my transition into working on food systems uh, issues was I, I at the time was working for a large uh, internet company and decided that um, I didn't have a passion for that anymore. I actually started getting more interested in talking about food and the future of food. And so my first attempt to transition out of the world of technology into food was to launch a, a website that would talk about these issues. Uh, and then eventually I ended up quitting that job and, and doing and running that website, which became a media platform full time. Um, yeah, so that was the jumping off point. Sorry for the long winded story, but oh, no, I feel like you great. need some context. <laughs> I love it. And I think it's really important to show people that change doesn't always happen overnight. We talk a lot about, you know, that this or something better moment to the name of the show and that, you know, I realized that this was happening and then I made the change. But as you've displayed, the change isn't a snap of a finger. It's not instantaneous. It's a journey that happens over time, which I just always like to remind people of because we live in this 
instant gratification society where we think things have to happen immediately and they don't. So, yeah, I wish it was like an overnight. I could say there was one day that this happened and the next day my life was transformed. Uh, looking back, and may, I can make it sound like that, but the reality was that uh, it took me six months of reading books and finding every article I could find online for me to even realize that uh, the most urgent issue facing humanity, at least from my perspective, was the fact that we were not talking about the impact of the food system on the environment. And this was back in the year 2010, just for some context. And uh, now it may seem like we more people know about it. But back then, it was very little written about it. Uh, everything you heard about when it came to climate change and the environment was fossil fuels and nothing else. Uh, and that is still true. But um, we are now starting to understand that we have three or more choices we make every time we sit down to eat. Three or three or more times a day when we sit down to eat, we're we're choosing to either make a choice that is um, having a positive impact or one that is actually making uh, the negative impact of the food system even worse. So that's really what led me down this path. And how did your own diet evolve over the years? You mentioned some change in food choices, but what did that look like for you? Yeah, I, I the kind of person I am. I once I it's very tough for me to um, take uh, baby steps. I go all in or I don't do something. <laughs> so uh, I think you have a sense of where this is headed. But uh, after you know that jump, that point in 2010 when I started to learn about the food system and and consumed as much information as I could to inform myself. Um, I decided personally that the choice for me was to was to opt out of the system to the extent I could. So the step I took back then was to stop eating uh, all meat, dairy, eggs, uh, anything that was uh, produced through the industrial livestock system. Uh, I tried being um, conscious carnivore for a bit and really struggled with it. It seemed just too complicated. Uh, and the simpler choice was just, let's just try eating plants and see what happens. And um, and it was turned out to be much easier than than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I want, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I would love to know what was the response from your family in India? Because that's a, probably a, a, somewhat of a departure from, again, you said you were a big meat eater. <laughs> well, well, I'm they're still not completely used to it. So it's been over a decade now, but, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, it was surprising. I mean, I think my, my family, especially my mom, I mean, food, and this tells you about food, right? It's such an interesting topic because it it touches our lives in so many ways, ways in which we we we, we are so attached to and in ways which you can never see. So when it comes to uh, whether it's family or culture or traditions, food plays such an important role. And my, my, my parents still live in India and I... I my first trip back, I remember my mom was just so uh, uh, partly saddened by the fact that she didn't know what to make for me anymore because uh, all the things that I loved eating growing up, I suddenly chose not to eat. And so I don't think she quite understood it, but I think over the years she now sees the the bigger impact of some of the work I'm doing and understands the larger context of it. So I think they've learned to, it took a while, they've learned to tolerate my uh my opinions and my eating habits, but I try not to yeah. impose it on them. So uh, I'm about three years into my plant-based journey and it's also been the same with my, my family. Um, you know, we, we've gotten good at bringing our own things to family meals, which is 
which is great. So we're making baby steps. I'll, I'll report back in seven more years and we'll see how our 10-year journeys can can compare. Yeah, and I try to tell people it's not all or nothing, you know, and, I, and I've learned that over the years. My thinking has also evolved. The food system is very compl- complicated and complex and um, there are no easy choices. And I think everyone just needs to do what they can and what's available to them and what they feel comfortable doing. There's no point living a life of uh, sacrifice. If you feel, if you approach eating that, you you know, every time you're, you're sitting down to eat, you have to make a giant sacrifice, then you're probably making the wrong choice. So I think balance is important, but I think everyone has to find their own idea of balance. And so I'm, I'm I've become a lot more conscious of that over the years. And so I, I'm not one to judge. So, yeah, and I'm not yeah. perfect myself. So we, we fall into the same camp. You use the word choice. And I think that's a great segue into talking about Plantega because a lot of people think that if you choose to eat unhealthy foods, or if you choose to eat meat, um, that it really is a, a choice, but oftentimes it's not a choice. It's an issue of access. And it really is a privilege to have to be able to choose organic, non-GMO, plant-based foods because they don't, you know, those types of foods don't often exist in food deserts, food swamps. And that's really where you saw the opportunity with Plantega to try to change that. Yeah, you know, in, in my journey in the world of food has um, is an evolving one, and I can only give you a snapshot of where it stands today. But over the last um, decade, when I first, you know, jumped, you know, went head head first into the world of uh, uh, working in the food industry and talking about food systems issues, I approached it from the standpoint of this is quite simple. If we can get the 7.5 billion plus people on the planet to understand that uh, the food system that we're supporting uh, and the food that we're eating is is going to lead to significant problems down the line. Long story short, we're going to be draining our natural resources and contributing to the climate crisis as the population rises to about 10 billion by the year 2050, which it is projected to be. Um, so current estimates just seem like the math was not adding up. And so if I could just help people see that, they could, uh, you know, they could make a difference. They could choose different foods. And that is still true. And not to not to say that the work related to informing people about food choices is not important. Uh, I've spent years doing that through the media platform I launched and eventually uh, published a couple of books and uh, and got involved in a few other initiatives, which were all connected to helping people see the truth. If you could understand where your food came from, just like I did, maybe we could choose differently. And then because of the rising demand for better foods, we now will have uh, uh, a change in our food system. There is some truth to that, but that's not the entire picture. And I think over the years, I started to realize, um, and it became very clear to me, especially last year, when the pandemic hit and, and a lot more people started to understand how fragile our food system is, how it is so dependent on this interconnected web of uh, players and uh, this this long supply chains that depend on everything just working 
perfectly uh, as planned, except that it's a minor disruption because of a pandemic or a, or a climate disaster, which is going to become more frequent in the coming years, um, the whole system starts to sort of fall apart and it, it does a terrible job at feeding everyone. And then you layer on top of that uh, the conversations last year uh, that were bubbling to the surface, especially here in the U.S., about equity, about social justice, about um, it just started to reveal that the systems that we depend on for various things are not fair and balanced and equal. And not everyone has the same access, the same privilege. And, you know, this is nothing new. We've known this in in the food space for years. But I think we naively believe that if you can invent a better way to produce meat or uh, a way to produce meat from plants, or if you convince more people to cut down their meat consumption, we're going to radically transform the entire system. Um, and the, the the reality is it'll transform for some of us who are in a position to make choices, who can go to a Whole Foods or any grocery store and say, you know, I'm going to vote with my dollars and I'm going to choose the product that is uh, grown uh, in a in a sustainable way that is organic that will nourish me and my family, while we ignore the fact that a, a lot of people, especially uh, across the United States, don't really have the luxury of that choice. And so, sustainability has usually in the food space has been framed as this issue that uh, you know we just have to choose better. We have to vote with our dollars, and it completely ignores the inequities that exist in our system that make it almost impossible, if not very difficult, for a lot of people to actually have a choice. And for many people in this country, choosing food involves going to the store that's closest to you and buying the food that you can afford, whatever that is. Um, And when you look at it that way, you realize a lot of the sustainable food movement, including the plant-based food movement, is pretty privileged. Um, and maybe that's how it begins, and it takes years for that to then trickle down um, and and become widely available. But um, uh, it kind of made me think long and hard about how we can jumpstart that movement. How can we create bridges so we don't have to wait another 10 years before the food that's good for everyone and that's good for the planet is available? Um, I think it might be too late if you wait that long. And so that's kind of what shifted my attention to thinking about other ways we can tackle these issues and led to some of the recent work I've been involved in. Yeah. That's thank you for such a a great summary because it, it's a really important point to make that people who are food insecure, it's not about choice. It's again about access and privilege and you are really working to address that. So let's go into Plantega, like talk about how this idea came to be and then we'll get into like what it is now and what you've learned over the last year, year and a half or so, right? Almost, almost a year. Yeah. So w- middle of the pandemic last year, um, I was in conversations with some friends who run a um, social impact incubator called Effect Partners. And they were putting together a group of people to tackle, because their whole business was disrupted in the midst of the pandemic. They did a lot of live events and none of those were happening. So they started shifting their attention to uh, other areas where they could potentially uh, bring in some experts and potentially launch some projects. And so they put together this this group of um, of entrepreneurs, creatives, uh, people with different different skill sets 
And we basically spent, I think about maybe once a week on Zoom, just brainstorming different project ideas. And we call that we call that exercise the food fighters project where we were just kind of coming up with ways where we could tackle these issues uh, connected to food and sustainability and how, you know, the food system was, food became an essential part of what the only is one of the few essential industries that still had to thrive and continue that we depended upon in the middle of the pandemic, while all the luxury things that we we relied upon fell by the wayside. So, out of that brainstorm, essentially, a few months into it, we came up with this idea, uh, really connecting the dots between, I'd been working in the plant-based food space for years and, and been an advisor to numerous companies in the space, advisor to the, the trade association focused on plant-based foods. And we've been seeing the data that plant-based foods are growing exponentially. They're f- outpacing sales of um of uh, animal protein uh, in in retail especially. And it was the next big trend that was not going away. You had Beyond Meat's IPO a few months, uh, actually a year before that. And it, the signs were clear that plant-based was going to be this powerful growth movement that is going to transform our food system um, and, can, and can have this tremendous potential. Yet, when you look at where these foods were available, much like the discussion we were having right right before this question. Uh, it was mostly big box grocery stores, Whole Foods, high-end restaurants, and slowly it's starting to permeate into fast food and other areas. And so because I, I've spent a bulk of my adult life in New York City, I think it was someone on our team who brought up the idea of like, you know, what's What's still essential, even in the middle of the pandemic, while New York City is is suffering so hard, are bodegas or corner stores across the city. And so we kind of connected the dots between these two issues. One is we have this fast-growing fruit trend, which is plant-based food. And then you have bodegas that have become this essential, or corner stores. And if anyone's been to New York City, you've if you haven't been in a bodega, you've definitely seen one. They're literally at every street corner or every other street corner. They supply everything from your, uh, you know, cleaning supplies to snacks to beverages. And majority of them also have a deli counter where they sell sandwiches made fresh off the grill. And so we decided, you know, what if we bring plant-based foods that are not available in these locations and find a way to use bodegas as the distribution point for these foods. And that's what led to the formation of Plantega, which was initially just a three-month pilot project that we ran from November last year into January. And then we only did it in three locations, and it was so successful that we decided to expand the program. So this whole year has been spent in trying to expand the program, launch into new locations, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you much more about what exactly it is. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I love, I have to go back to the food fighters. I work in human-centered uh, design research. I do consumer insights work. And so, you know, we talk about discovery research, which is what you guys were doing, your food fighters getting together. Obviously, you're working with an incubator. It's the same. They're doing the same work. And you're coming up with these ideas and I can just picture you in this room and someone's like, yes, a bodega. And it's so, it's such an amazing moment when it comes together into this cool idea. And then the fact that you went into a phase, you know, we call validate, you piloted this, you had three bodegas and then it worked and 
it's still working, which is congratulations. Like that's, that's what we all hope for when ideas come out of an incubator that it moves forward and does what you hope it can do. So talk about that pilot three stores. I'd love to know like how you got the brands into the store and then how you got the bodegas to buy in. Cause this is probably a far reach for some of them. They're like plant-based. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, every step in the way of this project has been, you know, supremely satisfying and also equally uh, eye-opening and a learning experience for me. And that's what's made it so much fun because I, I've, um, I've had, I thought I understood uh, how the food industry worked, but then to go and then try to do it yourself, especially build bridges between parts of the food industry that don't typically talk to each other. I, all I can say is it's still a very gratifying uh, and an exciting experience for me. You know, we, when we got started, I contacted all the brands that uh, we work with now. So our goal was simple. We wanted to partner with some of the leading plant-based food companies that were getting all the exciting press attention and were distributing their products nationally, brands that had been around for a few years that had made significant impact by launching category-leading products. So we have brands like Beyond Meat and Miyoko's Cheese and Follow Your Heart and um, Good Catch Foods and, and Eat Just, companies that have all created unique groundbreaking products that didn't even exist three, four years ago. So firstly, our goal was we've got to get the leading brands, not just any brands. We've got to get brands that have the best product in each category. One, I can say that was the simple part, at least from my perspective, because I've worked with these brands over the years. I'm pretty well connected in the industry. Um, the hard part was trying to convince them how we were going to do this. The idea was pretty simple. In fact, I've never gotten yeses as quickly as I got when I reached out to them. Uh, I've pitched them on different ideas over the years when I said, We've got this crazy idea. We want to take your food and bring it into parts of New York City that have never seen plant-based food before. And we're going to do it in a way that empowers those local communities and empowers independent store owners. So it's almost like disrupting the entire model of how food distribution works, where typically a brand has to go and get a distributor, and then the distributor will get your food into grocery stores or retailers or food service providers that have done deals with you. The process eventually would lead and trickle down into bodegas, but it would have taken years. So the brand said, yes, this sounds great. Uh, how are you going to do it? And so we had to figure out the mechanics. I won't bore you with the details of how we figured out the uh, warehousing and transportation and all of those those gory details. But the most interesting part was, of course, the bodegas. And we were lucky we had someone on our team who knew a few locations, had a good relationship with some bodega owners. And largely, we had to convince them to, in the beginning especially, was just to believe that this was something worth trying. And we made it very easy for them to say yes. So we said they wouldn't have to spend any money up front. They would not have to spend on any installation costs, any marketing costs. We would essentially go in there and provide them a, a turnkey solution, which is we'd install an entire plant-based menu on their in their deli counter, we would train their cooks on how to make our sandwiches. We would also install equipment uh, to uh, store retail products that we would sell in their locations. So we, in some locations, we installed these branded coolers that were Plantega branded coolers. We would uh, 
transport the products to them. They wouldn't have to go anywhere to get it. We would handle inventory. We would promote them on social media. So essentially, you know, they had no upfront costs. And you did all the heavy lifting. Yeah, we did everything for them. And we said, if it succeeds, you will make money. It's as simple as that. And if you don't succeed, we'll take the we'll, we'll take the products back. So you don't have any costs uh, with, with testing this out. And we got three S's and we thought that would be a good start. We had two locations in Brooklyn and one in the Bronx. And, and you know, initially it took us, I think, about two weeks to get a sense of what we were doing in the locations to even figure out where to place our signage and how to talk to customers. But once we understood um, what the general uh, customer base was, once we once they noticed we were really not just going to install this and then leave, that we were there every day, we were actually engaging with people, we were handing out flyers, we were going out of our way to educate customers about what the products were, what the sandwiches were. Um, plus, we were getting press and publicity very quickly that it became clear to them that this was something different because it's a question of of trust as well. These are independent store owners. They're, they are used to people walking in, offering them really good deals, and then eventually uh, not fulfilling them. So we wanted to make sure we could earn their trust. So I would say those three months were as much as it was about testing out the the the, the viability of our of our project, it was to build a really good relationship with them so they knew that this was something that could have long-term potential for them as a business, more importantly. So yeah, it's it's just been it's been an incredible journey so far. We went from three and now we are in 15 locations, planning to be in 20 uh, by the end of this year. And uh, across nearly every borough in New York City, the only borough we're not in at the moment is Staten Island. But uh, we, we want to make sure we can bring our products to every neighborhood through this unique distribution model that empowers independent store owners and Another component of our model is we hire from within the communities we serve. So um, most of our, actually all of our team are from our neighborhoods that uh, that we have locations in. And in fact, two of our team members are kids of bodega owners themselves. Um, and so we, we feel very we connected in the communities we operate and our and that trust level is still um, very important for us because that's that's and now we're we're finding that the locations that we've been successful in are referring us to other locations as a way for them to make more revenue using Plantega. And imagine these are some of these neighborhoods, the store owners as well as some of the customers had never heard of plant-based food before, um, but are very excited about trying the new sustainable, healthy options that are available at their local bodega. It's really cool. So many things to ask you now. First off, do you have any kind of like, I don't know, maybe call it an impact story where you've seen over the course of this last year in that first pilot, a customer who comes in and is making behavioral changes because of this introduction you've made to them, or maybe even it's the bodega owners, maybe they've changed their kind of preferences, or maybe they're eating a plant-based sandwich once a week instead of a meat sandwich every day. I mean, we, there's so many. I, I can't pinpoint one of them, but uh, I, I can say one is we have we have someone on our team who was the store manager of the very first location that we launched in, 
his father owns that location and he was so excited about what we were doing and was a big champion of uh, Plantega, which is why we even launched in that location, uh, that eventually when we started to talk about expansion, he ended up applying for a job at Plantega and now is leading our expansion into new locations across the city. So for me, that's one of the the most immediate gratifying stories I can think of. But on a daily basis, one of the most fun things I've seen is that to to go into the locations when we first launch uh, and we see the skeptical looks of the employees in the location when they see our menu uh, and we try to explain to them that this is uh, entirely plant-based and uh, these products are, uh, are better for the environment. We talk about what they're made of and we show them how to cook it. And they just look at us sideways, really skeptical that this is even going to work in their location. And then we go back usually about a week or two later because they need to order more products. And the story is completely changed. They've tried the food. They talk about how many customers are coming in. They talk about how there's the, there's uh, the, their sales have gone up since the customers have come in. And then weeks and months later, we can actually quantify that in terms of the dollar amount of profit that they're making. And also... And maybe I didn't clarify this right in the beginning, but the way we structured this this whole uh, project from the beginning was how can we find a way to do this in a way that is um, going to make the bodegas money, but yet isn't going to be too expensive for their end cons- con- and their customers. And so the way to do that is that not only did we get the brands to partner with us, but we negotiated down pricing so that we were able to offer these products at a competitive price point. And while we're still more expensive than your uh, meat and dairy options that you would get at the at the deli counter in the bodega, we are you know I'm we're very excited that our grill menu is ten dollars or less. So no item on our grill menu costs more than ten dollars. And in a city like New York, where if you go to eat a vegan sandwich somewhere, the average price is $14, $15. That is still a pretty good deal. Plus, we've structured it this in a way where the bodegas make more money off each transaction than we do. Our goal is that in the long run, we'll be in enough locations and we'll have enough success stories that we will grow ourselves. But in the short term, our goal is to make sure that we can deliver on the promise to the bodegas that they this is a viable business opportunity for them. And I think that's what makes this program unique in that sense is that they may initially not care about the food. They may they may not even understand what it is that we're trying to achieve. But once, but they do care about uh, survival. They do care about keeping their business running, especially in a super competitive city like New York. And if if we're making it easy for them to be successful selling the right food, which is kind of going back to our conversation earlier. If we make the sustainable choice, the easy choice to make, both from the the the, the folks who are selling it to those who are buying it, if when you walk into your local corner store and for a few dollars more, you can now buy yourself an entirely plant-based sandwich that tastes as good, if not better, than anything else you can get there that's produced from factory farm meat, you are making the better choice without even realizing you are. We've just made it easier for you to do it. We've made it more attractive. And we've made it, I think, a more delicious uh, option for you to choose from. And so 
uh, I think for us, really, this is, you can think of this as a giant experiment and nothing else, or you can think of this as a completely disruptive business model. But the idea is that we want to change the default choice to be the better one. We want to change the environment in which people consume food. Um, and by doing so, the, you know, the success stories, the, the changes just had to happen automatically, both from, you know, back to your question, we've heard feedback both from the store owners, from the employees, to customers who are repeat customers who come back in and are saying, you know, maybe they haven't gone vegetarian or vegan after eating our sandwiches, but at least a few times a week for lunch when they step outside uh, in the mid because we're, we're across a couple of hospitals, so we get a lot of hospital staff coming into our locations. They say at least a few times a week they're choosing a plant-based sandwich, and they know that's an incrementally better choice than what they were doing before. Um, and as we grow and expand, I'm sure those stories will, uh, will, will exponentially rise as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Talk quickly, like, what is a typical grill item in a bodega for anyone maybe who doesn't live in New York City or hasn't been and ordered something from the grill? Like, what does it look like and what is the replacement that you guys are offering? You know, the most popular items in bodegas are things like, uh, firstly, I'll, I'll mention the chopped cheese sandwich, which is very unique to bodegas in New York City. It was actually invented in a bodega in the Bronx. It's essentially a chopped up burger. It's a bit like a Philly cheese sandwich, but it actually is a burger chopped chopped up with with uh, cheese melted on it um, that is tends to be very popular in all the locations bodegas are also well known for selling deli slice sandwiches so deli meats um, they often do cheeseburgers and uh, burritos and a few other things so what we did when we designed our menu and we also sell retail products but a bulk of our locations have our grill menu and that is by far the, the huge uh popular draw into our locations. Uh, when we were designing our menu, we looked at what people typically consume in a bodega and we said, let's create the exact same thing and use it and create it using these amazing brands that we've partnered with. So we have, our menu has a chopped cheese sandwich, which uses the Beyond Burger. It uses uh, Follow Your Heart cheese and it uses uh, um, all our ingredients from our from our brand partners. And so we have chopped cheese, we have cheeseburgers, we have a deli slice sandwich, and of course we have another sandwich that I, I failed to mention earlier, which is the sausage egg and cheese, which is again a very unique to a bodega. We use Beyond uh, Sausage, we use Just Egg and, and plant-based cheese to make that sandwich. And from a taste standpoint, we've actually, if you look at our Instagram, we actually even have a video series called Just One Bite, where we offer our sandwiches to people on the street and we say, try it out. It's it's all plant-based. And a lot of people are very hesitant at first because they've never eaten a vegan sandwich before. And then they eat it and they're like, oh, this is a, this is a sausage, egg, and cheese. This, this is like, it almost doesn't taste uh, like it's plant-based. Um, and I think that's what's been really exciting is that we are able to offer something that is what you are used to. Um, you know, of course, the ideal scenario is to get people to stop eating fast food and go and eat uh a kale salad, but yeah. we think that we can build a bridge to that down the line. And, you know, our long-term plan is also as we build this distributed network of bodegas across New York City, and we've earned their trust, and we've been working with them for uh, months and hopefully years, we can then launch interesting new ways to distribute food, 
um, you know, eventually our goal is to partner with local farms and find ways where we can maybe instead of getting uh, free uh, soda or fries, you get a free mini CSA box with your sandwich. So we think that those are things that we can eventually do with this program. And what we're essentially doing is creating a network and distribution points. Um, and we're building trust within the the actual bodega ownership, but also the communities in which we operate. And with that, we can eventually, uh, you know, talk more about the food and maybe perhaps even uh, have elements of culinary education and sustainability brought in. But right now, we're just focused on getting people to look at this food as just being exciting and delicious, just like anything else, and to get them to try it. And that's usually the first step. Yeah. That's, it's fantastic. I love how you've created this amazing foundation from which you can build upon. And like you said, test things, education, product. I mean, it's, it's a really cool thing. Before we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you about Eric Adams, who is uh, likely to be New York City's next mayor. He also is author of a book. He himself went through a journey to becoming plant-based and when he was the Brooklyn Borough president, was you know advocating and educating for more conscious plant-based eating. Has that helped elevate what you guys are doing? Just I mean, there's a lot of talk around the topic. It, it ha- can't be a bad thing. Definitely not a bad thing. Too early to say. Uh, I think he's, he's he has to be mayor first, uh, so that he's not officially mayor yet. But uh, we are very excited about this idea that we have the possibility of having a mayor who so who not only gets the importance of healthy eating and is such a personal issue for him uh he's had a personal story and a journey eating plant based but also the potential to use um some of the work we're doing and and find a way to partner with the right organizations that can help bring more attention to this idea about making healthy, sustainable foods more widely available. I don't think Plantega alone is going to solve the problem of food access or food deserts. I mean, uh, just to be clear, we're just a small blip in this giant uh, ocean of problems that we face when it comes to food access and food insecurity. We just want to be able to showcase how you can come up with interesting new models that perhaps have the potential to replicate and find ways to get food to more people much faster than it would have otherwise. And and I think it just opens up ideas and possibilities. And I think with him as mayor, when that is all official, we're excited about finding ways to partner and uh, finding ways to uplift the, the, the local community and the local business community as well. So I can't wait for it to happen so we can do more. Well, as you know, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. So uh, small changes can make a really big impact. And I think what you guys are doing is that, I mean, you're making an impact, it's local, it's creating systems of trust with people. And that's where the opportunity, you know, can really flourish. So I can't wait to watch as you guys continue to grow and hopefully have continued success. And I'm really grateful for your time and for you sharing your journey. And I would encourage everyone to check out your books, your podcast. And with that, maybe you can tell the listeners where they can find you. Easiest way to find more information about the work I'm doing is if you go to EFTP.co. So that stands for Eat for the Planet, hence EFTP.co. 
Uh, you can learn more about my podcast there. It's called the Eat for the Planet podcast and uh, my books and and check out eatplantega.com, which is the uh, the amazing work we've been talking about today. But, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on. We're just getting started and uh, I can't wait to see where this goes next. When we started this off um, less than a year ago now as that pilot back in November last year, we only looked ahead at three months and said, let's just do the best we can in these three locations. And if nothing else, we'll have a nice research report to publish at the end of it. And we'll have some amazing data that we can share. Uh, But here we are months later, and we're expanding fast and have some exciting new plans uh, to be announced in the coming weeks. So uh, I can't wait to see where this goes next. The idea that people are so open and excited to try plant-based food and we don't have to preach to them about why they should eat it or why it is better for them or the environment. We just present it as good food and we sell it at a price that most people can afford and we make it taste great. And from my standpoint of having worked in the food industry for years, it's great to see that you know, food is simple too. When you make it easy to make the right choice, it just happens. And I think that's been the, the, the real true story for us so far. So I hope that continues and I appreciate you having me on today. Thanks, Noel. It's been fun. I appreciate your time and I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nils Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, all you have to do is subscribe to this show and rate and review it. To learn more about this podcast or my work, go to eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Thank you for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.